the things you are doing and the things you're going to do in our lives. We pray, Lord, you'd open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us through your word. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, it's not snowing, so we can be thankful for that, uh, right? Amen. Uh, so we're glad that you're here. Uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time as first-time guests, uh, I know we have a couple of you here today. Thank you for joining us. And, and we mean this when we say this. We are truly honored by your presence. We pray for you before we even meet you. Uh, because we know that God continues to work on the hearts and minds of people all across this uh, community and this county, uh, the state of Wisconsin, the world. And uh, we know that we have just been called to be a part, uh, just a small piece of that. And so thank you for being here. Uh, this is a safe place for you to dig in and honestly and genuinely seek after what does it mean? What does it look like for you to really dig in and find out what it looks like to follow Christ on a daily, regular basis. And so we are glad that you're here today uh, for that. So uh, I've never done this before, but I feel like uh, we need to do it. And I don't know why, but we're going to do it anyway. So I want everybody, it's going to feel weird. If you are kind of used to a church where you just kind of sit, uh, this is not that kind of church, um, so you're gonna maybe you'll freak out right away. But this is the way it is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out, everybody, and I want you to put your hands up. All of us walked in here with something: worries, doubts, fears, frustrations, busy. Some of us came off vacation. Some of us came off a hard week at work. Some of us come, came off a great week at work. Some of us, our kids are listening to us every minute of the day. Some of us, they can't, we can't get them to look at us. I'm kind of in that second category. <laughs> we came in with a lot of stuff. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to pray in a minute. And with these hands, I hope that they symbolize where you're at this morning. And if you're not there, I pray that you will get there quickly. That you are open and that you're ready to receive whatever God has for you today. I don't even fully know what that is. I don't even know what it is for me yet. And that's okay. But God knows and he's good. And so let's just ask God to give us what we need, even if it's not really what we want. And let's make sure our hearts and minds are in this position, hands up and open. Will you pray with me? God, as we spend the next while, a little bit here, listening to your word and what you have for us, I pray that you would move in this place. And that whatever people brought in, I pray that they would drop it. Because they can't grab a hold of what you have for them if they're holding on to other stuff whatever that is. And so I pray for this for me. I pray this for every person. I pray this for the kids in the classrooms that are learning about you right now. I pray that you would have us hands up and open. Our hearts, our minds are open. We're ready to receive whatever you have for us. May you move amongst us. Do what you want, God. We are yours. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in a series that we've been in for a couple of weeks, and we're still continuing. It's a few more weeks left called Fight. 
And very simply, what we are talking about is how to fight for your family rather than with your family. How to fight for your family rather than with your family. And and so that's the the mode that we've kind of been in. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but our world, our culture is rapidly moving forward. Have you noticed that things change fairly quickly? Uh, I don't know about you, know, like you go buy a computer or a smartphone at a store and by the time you drive home, there's something better. Like it's obsolete already, right? Because that's just how fast things are going. Just to give you an idea, I want to give you some pictures of some things that just about 20 years ago, we're talking at the end of the 90s, right, right before the year 2000, were still being used and still relevant to our lives. This tells you how fast we have moved beyond this. Okay, let me, let's go to the first picture. Okay, how many of you remember connecting to the internet like this, right? I mean, I actually saw a YouTube video. You can go on there and you can hear that sound. You remember that sound? You click on it. You know, and then at the end, it was like, you've got mail, you know. Remember that guy, whoever, whoever made that voice? I don't know how much money he made, but good stuff. Because we all wanted to hear, you've got mail. Yeah, I've got mail, right? I mean, we, it was not that long ago that we connected to the internet through dial-up. Crazy. Now I can just pull out my phone and I can connect way faster than anything. It's just unbelievable. All right, let's go to the next one. How many of you remember these things, right? How many of you still have one of those? Okay, we got a few. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, that's right. And some of us in here were like, what is that? (laughs) Seriously, what is that? The whole VCR thing. How many of you remember having to rewind with the pencil and do all that kind of stuff? And yeah, sometimes the tape would come out of the VCR with it. You're like, no, that's my favorite movie that I recorded, right? Okay, anyway, so let's go to the next one. How many of you remember these things? What was the last time you used one of those? I did, kid you not, I actually got my first teaching job because of a payphone. We were in the mountains, and I called back to follow up on a resume, and, I, and the only phone we had was a, was a payphone. And so I called the principal of the school to follow up on the resume, and ended up, ended up going down and interviewing for that job, and ended up, that was my first teaching position. Uh, so payphone, I remember doing that. It's just crazy. Like, but you just don't see those around anymore. Okay, and this, this is another one. How many of you have one of these still? I actually have a small one. I don't have this big version. CD cases, right? I mean, but really, I mean, now it's just kind of like you pull out your phone, you download it, it's, it's there, right? You just kind of have that. Okay, I, I think we have one more, maybe. Yeah, how many of you remember the, the disc thing? These, these aren't even the floppy disks, right? You had the eight-inch version, like floppy disk, but you had these. And, and I remember, like, always being, like, I plug it in, and sometimes it wouldn't pull it up, and I realized, oh, I have to unlock the little thing, right? Do you remember that little button you had to unlock that? It's just ridiculous, right? The things that we had to deal with back then. Um, But anyway, I don't know if that's the last one, but uh, the, the point is this. That was just 20 years ago. That that stuff, and that stuff is not only, not only do we laugh at it because it's like, <laughs> crazy. It, not only is it irrelevant, it, it's like obsolete. You, can't, you can hardly even find stuff that'll fit and work with those things anymore. Our culture is rapidly moving and changing. Now, here's the thing, though. Today, I want to talk about a topic, something that has never changed. It is probably one of the most, if not the most challenging thing that most human beings, a lot of human beings, have to deal with. It is one of the hardest things. It's one of the most challenging things. It's one of the most frustrating things. It's one of the greatest things in life. All of those wrapped up into one. Today, we're going to talk about parenting. 
Oh, yes. Lots of fun. One of the greatest things and one of the hardest things, one of the biggest challenges that we have is this whole thing called parenting. Now, parenting is one of those things that's been a struggle for all of history, right? I mean, now we talk about clean up your room, you know, where's your smartphone, uh, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. I won't get into all that, but we, you know, we have the certain things that are frustrating now, right? Get off the Xbox, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then the, the truth is we all know that parenting has always been an issue. If we went back thousands of years to the first civilizations, I guarantee you the parents are looking at their, their teenage son and saying, how could you forget the spear for the mammoth hunt? Unbelievable. <laughs> right? Promise it happened, right? I'm sure there's arguments between, you know, a parent and another person saying your animal skin is too short, right? I mean, that's like, it's just, it's just the way that it is because parenting has always been a challenge. It's always going to be one of those things. How do we impart to the next generations and to those people around us, how do we impart that we need to love people, that we need to, that we need to have grace, that we need to make wise decisions, that, that there are some certain things that are more important in life than other things. How do we impart that to people? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. And so today, I want to talk about what it looks like to fight for our family in the way of bringing up the people around us, the next generations behind us. So this question is, that's what we want to answer, but, but I want to unpack a couple of like two or three tendencies, two or three temptations that we might have this morning uh, before we get into the weeds. Uh, the first tendency is this. Uh, this might be one of those things. We're going to talk about it today, and we're actually going to get into this topic again next week. So this is kind of a two-part peace within the larger series of fight, if you will. So we're going to talk about parenting this week, and we're going to talk a little bit about parenting next week. And, and there's going to be a tendency for some of us in here. Some of us in here are either empty nesters, uh, maybe we're not married yet, or we're not thinking about kids. Some of you in here, you don't want kids. You've seen what kids do. <laughs> and you're like, I want nothing to do with that, right? It's totally okay. It's cool. But here's going to be the temptation for some of us in here. If you aren't having children right in your home right now, you're going to think that this is irrelevant. Let me just tell you, remember the hand thing? Everything that we're going to talk about today is as relevant as it gets for every human on the planet, regardless of whether you ever have kids or not. Everything we talk about today. Now, we're going to use the parenting language because that's kind of the, how we're couching everything today. But I want us to understand that everything we talk about today is highly relevant to every person on the planet. Highly relevant. So don't cast this off and like, oh, we're doing a parenting series, I'm out. No, this is going to be as relevant to you as it is. You'll just have to tweak some of the parenting language a little bit. Okay? Second thing that I want us to, to understand, and I mentioned this, I've mentioned this every single Sunday that we've been in this series. We're talking about what we need to be doing as parents and what, how we need to do this and, and all these kind of things. And so as a result, you guys know what I, I'm about to say, right? Because I've said this the last two weeks. There's going to be a tendency, there's going to be a temptation to feel a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for how you've raised your own kids or how you see other people raising their kids or things that you did that you wish you hadn't done or things that you wish you would have done that you know you should have done but you didn't do and you're, and you're going to feel some shame and guilt on that, Okay. Can we all agree that nobody in this world is perfect? 
And I feel a lot of shame and a lot of guilt as a parent all the time. I'm not perfect. I mess up. So let's not worry about what you haven't done and what you did do that you shouldn't have done and all the stuff. Let's worry about what you need to do now and moving forward. I'm going to say that every week I said this series because the, the tendency is that shame gets a hold of us and then we're like, oh, man, I'm doing terrible. Let's not worry about that. Let's worry about what we need to do now. The third thing I want you to know, and this is just kind of an FYI thing, uh, we got this uh, graphic for this series from a church called Westridge Church. We usually you know, create our own and all that stuff, but we called them or uh, you know, uh, messaged them and, and checked to see if we could use that because we're like, hey, that is phenomenal. That's really good. So we want to do that. And so then we've kind of come up with our own series out of that. But then I was actually listening to some of the stuff that they did in that series. And the pastor there, he did some amazing things on parenting. And God just really made it clear, you need to tackle this and you need to break this into to two messages because there's so much there. We're going to do this in two weeks instead of one. And so that's what we're going to do today uh, and, and next week. So there's really just one point that I have for you today. There's a few sub points because as a pastor, I don't know how you can do one point. That, that's silly. <laughs> one point. <laughs> just crazy. I, that's kind of impossible. That's like miracle status for a pastor to have one point. Um, but there is really just one main point with a few sub points today. But I want us to make sure that we get the main point. And the main point is, if we're going to be successful in our parenting, if we're going to be successful in our relationship with God, if we're going to be successful in honoring God in the way that he wants us to honor him, then there's a very important aspect that we need to get right away. It has to start with you. You might think of, when you think of parenting, you might think of all these things. When you think of all this stuff, you, you might think, oh, we need to do this. Oh, I need to have them do that. Oh, I should try to do this. Oh, we need to get to bed at this time. We, you know, that's where I go in my mind, parenting. But we need to understand that the most critical piece of parenting, of living a life for Jesus, is making sure that we start doing whatever we know needs to happen with ourselves. Let me put it this way. We need to be the example. We need to be the example. You can tell others what to do. You can expect this and expect that, but you need to be the example first. It needs to start with you. Why? Well, it's very simple because it is very difficult. You guys, I'm sure will agree with me. It is very difficult to lead someone, let alone children. <laughs> it's hard enough to lead children anywhere, right? Like, no, this way, this way. I don't know about you, but yesterday was crazy. Outside, warm, like kids everywhere. I mean, it was like, wow. It was, you know, it's the first warm thing and the ants come out of the cracks. That's what happened yesterday in our neighborhood, right? <laughs> kids everywhere. Like, did you guys notice that? Yeah, everywhere. But what is difficult, eh, impossible, is to lead somebody or children to a place that you have not been yourself or are not willing to go with them. Can we agree on that? Which means you have to be the example first. You can't lead them to somewhere that you haven't been. For example, let me give you an example of this. If I threw up this uh, equation to you and I said, hey, I want you to teach your children how to solve this, okay, what would be the problem? Okay? Is it that you're not smart enough? No. 
Is it that your children aren't smart enough? No, right? Is it, is it that, you know, we, there's no way to understand this, so it doesn't make any sense that it, there is no solution? No, that's not the problem. The problem is that you and I, we haven't saw, I don't think anybody in here, maybe you have. If you have, I want to meet you uh, because I'll be, my mind will be blown, okay? Because this is the first time I've seen this equation. But, but the truth is you're not going to be able to teach them because you haven't done it yourself. You don't know how to solve it because you haven't solved it. Or, or at the very least, you could say, hey, let's get together. Let's work together to try to solve this. That's okay. You can lead by example that way and say, I don't know this either, but we're going to figure this out together. We're going we're gonna to walk in this together. Uh, same, let me give you another example. Okay? Let, let's say that you are supposed to teach a class on open heart surgery, but you've never done it. And this is, this is the, I give you a diagram. This is here. And so, so I tell you guys, okay, here's the diagram. Now I want you to teach all these students how to do open heart surgery. In fact, there's somebody that needs it in a couple of hours. So we need to get this going. All right. How many of you are going to be comfortable with that? None of us. Why? Because we haven't done it. The main point is this, in order for us to be who we need to be in God, in order for us to be the parents we need to be, in order for us to be the men and the women and the kids, the youth, the teens, whoever that we are called to be, it has to start with us. And so today, even though it seems counterintuitive and it seems like like it's not right, what we need to talk about today is you and me. Because it starts with us. We need to be the example for what God is calling them and calling us to be. Now, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to focus on uh, one specific thing. In order to be the example for God and for others around us, and again, this could, this could be children, this could be your friends, the friends that you normally hang out with, the people that you see at lunch or, or on Friday, Saturday nights, or the people you see at sports and all kinds of stuff. This could be your neighbors. This could be other family members. It doesn't have to be just children. We need to be the example to everybody around us. But if we're going to do that, then we need to get some things out of our lives that tend to be barriers to us following and being the example of Christ. And specifically, I would call these things idols, Idols. The Bible calls them idols. And so we're going to use this word idols. Now, when I say the word idol, uh, we might have a lot of things that go in our head, but a lot of us might think of like a little statuette or figurine, right? Do you think of that when you think of idol? I still do, even though I know that that's not completely what it's talking about. But when I think of an idol, I think of like, you know, something that somebody prays to, but it's not a real God and, you know, all kind of stuff. Well, yes, that does include those things. But when the Bible talks about an idol or idolatry, I want us to make sure we're all on the same page with the definition of idol or idol worship or idolatry. What the Bible is talking about is very simply this. It is any person or anything, or any belief that replaces God in our life. It is anything that takes a higher shelf, a higher position, a more important prominent place in our life than where God should be. Anything that any person that gets in there, any thought that gets in there, any item or material possession, it could be a car, it could be a relationship with a certain person. It could be a thought or a belief. There, there, it literally can be anything. Idols are anything that replace God and where he's supposed to be in our life. So what I want to talk about today are four idols 
that we need to get out of our life, specifically in our parenting, because it will open the door. Remember the hand thing? Now I'm knowing why God had me do that. I didn't even know, seriously. Because we need to make sure that we come into parenting and into our life going, God, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm open to what you want to do and how you want me to do it. And we need to go into parenting with that. The barrier to that are the idols, the things that we put in our life that replace God. And so now some of us in here, we may not feel like idol worship is even relevant to parenting. Like you say, I thought we were talking about parenting, and now all of a sudden we're talking about idol worship. It is as relevant as it gets. And, this, and let me, in fact, let me just share why. I want to go to a, a quick verse in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. Again, one of those books in the Old Testament that a lot of us have maybe never read. But in this, in this verse that I'm about to read, Ezekiel is a prophet of God, which simply means he's a messenger for God. He speaks on behalf of God. And Ezekiel was sitting down with a whole group of leaders, the, the leaders of the Israelites. And he's meeting with them. And, and God has a message through Ezekiel to these leaders. And I want to read this first, and it's talking about idol worship or idolatry. And it kind of gives us the, the gravity, the importance of getting rid of these idols in our life. Let me just read it for you. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 4. Again, this is God's message to this group of leaders. It says, the people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts. Notice that's not a physical thing. It's something he said he said it's set up in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet, they're talking about Ezekiel here, asking for a message. Now, this is the Lord speaking on the first person. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. Now we read that verse, and I don't know about you, but right away I think whoa, God's ready to throw down. Like that's, that's what I get. It seems like a threat from God. It's kind of like, like God says, oh, idol worship, I'll give you an answer that you deserve. That's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? I mean, you read that last line and it's like, whoa, God is ready to like watch out, right? That's what it seems like, but that's not really what he's saying here. It's not really what God is saying. It's not the message that he's giving. In fact, if we were to read the next several verses, and we're not going to take time to do that, but we would find out that that is totally not God's heart here. What is he saying then with this message to them? What he's saying is, if you allow idols in your life, then what your prayers are and what you're asking for guidance on and what you're asking for help with and blessing for and all kind of stuff, God is not going to worry about all that. He's going to worry about the idols in your life. That's what he's going to talk to you about. So you can ask him for this and that and, and pull on this and hope for these things and do this and that and the other. But what God is going to be concerned with, because he knows it's a far more important deal, is I need to take care of the idols that are in your heart that are a barrier between you and I. In other words, God is going to be more concerned about the idols in our lives than maybe what we realize. That's what he's going to be concerned about. So it's an important deal. If we're going to be free to parent in the way that God wants us to parent and to live the life that God wants us to live, we've got to get rid of the barriers in our life. And there's four idols. There are a lot more idols than this. Um, you can be thankful that we're not going to do all the idols here today, right? We'd be here until 
next Friday. But we're going to do four. These are just four big ones. These are four important ones that I think we definitely struggle with. I know. Oh, and by the way, as we go through these four, my guess is you'll identify very, very strongly with at least one of these, if not a few of these. I identified strongly with a couple of them myself personally this week. I think that you'll identify with one or, so, or more of these very personally. So let's talk about the four idols. The first idol that we need to get rid of, the idol of success. The idol of success. Again, we're talking about parenting. And so what this idol does is this idol says that it's important or you need to or it's okay to live vicariously through your children. Okay? This is, this is an idol that a lot of people set up, don't they? This idol says you are living vicariously. You need to live vicariously through your children. What you weren't able to do, you want your children to be able to do. What they can do, you think, wow, that's great. We set them up that way. And so this idol is wrapped up in thinking that our identity as people and parents are wrapped up in our children. We, we think that that's our identity, that, that it's wrapped up in that. This, this, this idol says that, that children are trophies to give us glory. Now, I know, I get it. We don't walk around and be like, look at my little trophy here. I mean, isn't he great? Isn't she awesome? I mean, look at how amazing she is, right? Oh, my trophy, right? We don't say that. That would, be, that would sound so conceited. Yet we think it. Yet we think it. This idol says that children are there to bring us glory, to bring us happiness. But that's not the point of children. What we tend to do is is we place children on a very lofty pedestal, don't we? We place them up on a pedestal and we go, oh, you're so awesome. You're amazing. You're going to do amazing, great things. And by the way, this, you might be thinking, wow, you, really, I hope you probably just blast your children, don't you? No, I don't. I'm not saying that you should tear them down or be negative or anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm also not saying that we should stick them up on a lofty pedestal. Here's two problems that happen if we stick our children on pedestals. First, they're human beings just like everybody else, which means what's going to happen with that pedestal. Eventually, they're going to fall, aren't they? Because we all fall. We all do. We're, none of us are perfect. If you're perfect, well, we should talk later if you think you're perfect, right? None of us are perfect. Never will we be. Never has anybody ever been other than Jesus. Our children aren't perfect, right? And that's even hard to hear. I don't know about you, but like if somebody says, you know what? Jackson, Hannah, and Tanner, they're not perfect, Hey, back up now. Those are my children, <laughs> right? Right? I get it. Like, we defend the pedestal. No, my children are awesome, and they're a little more awesome than your children, <laughs> right? My dad can beat your dad up, right? <laughs> that kind of a thing. Let's go, right? And, and we get into this, this thing. We get into this bravado. We get into this thing, and, and we set them up on the pedestal. But the problem is when we set our children on the pedestal, we're setting them up for failure because they're going to fall. And it's okay if they fall off the little box, but it's not okay when they fall off a very tall pedestal. It's going to hurt a lot more, guys. 
we're setting them up for failure. Because they're going to fail, that's okay. It's not a problem that they fail. The problem is when we place them on this pedestal and then they fall and then when they fail, it hurts more because there's a lot of shame and guilt and bitterness that we have placed on them because of the pedestal. The idol of success says that we are going to build our children in our image. Oh, look at, look at little so-and-so. We never were called to build our children in our own image, even though they physically may look like us. We are never called to build them in our image. We are always called to build them in the image of God because that's how they were created anyway. It was in the image of God. So I want to ask you a couple of questions that will help bring this, draw this out to help you understand maybe if the idol of success is alive and well in your heart. Okay? First question is this. Are you consumed or worry a lot about what other people think of your children? My guess is a lot of us in here do. Are you consumed or worry a lot about what other people think about you and your parenting? Let me put it this way. Are you more concerned about your reputation as a parent than with being a parent? You know there's a chasm of difference between those two, right? Are you more concerned with your reputation as a parent than with actually just being the parent that God wants you to be? We should not be trying to please anybody else other than God. And if we try to please God, then guaranteed as a result of that, then our children will see the most important thing. Now, whether or not they follow it, that's up to them. And that's hard. But we need to get rid of the idol of success. We need to crush it out of our life. All right, the second idol. This is the idol of experience, the idol of experience. So we have the idol of success. We kind of build people in, in, in our image, the idol of experience. Now, this is one of those things in our culture, especially in uh, American culture, that we've gotten very, very good at. What we have done in our culture, let me, let me see if you, you, you see that this is true. We have elevated experience above everything else. Right? We've elevated an experience above everything else. We try to give experiences, experiences, experiences as much as we possibly can. And so we elevate the experience that we can give to our children or to those around us more than anything else. And so what happens is we end up in debt. We end up with crazy busy schedules. We end up traveling. We end up gone. We end up here, there, everywhere. And we never focus on one thing because we're trying to give them the next experience. And what we've done is we have elevated experience above relationship. In fact, um, Pastor Andy Stanley says this. I love that he said this. It's hard to hear, but it's good. He said, we are raising generations of people who are experience rich, but relationship poor. We are raising generations of people who are experience rich, but relationship poor. Now, the truth is, I mean, if you think about this, we know this is true. We know this is true. Isn't it true that we are the most technologically connected humans on the planet in all of human history? Would that be true? 
We are. I can, I, can, I can connect to somebody on the other side of the world right now if I wanted to, right? I could pull out my phone and I could send a message to somebody in Singapore or in Russia or wherever. I, I can send anybody anything. I can connect with them right now and they would get it in almost an instant, just like that. And then they could send it. I, I could communicate with somebody right now, right in front of you guys. We are the most technologically connected human beings in all of human history. But did you know that there's also something that we're first in? We're also the most lonely than we've ever been. You guys have seen the studies. You guys see the articles. You know, why do you think Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff is flooded with articles on how to know if they love you and how to do this and 10 ways to tell your spouse that you love them and do all that, all that. Kind of, why do they have all those? You know why they have all those? Because we don't know how to do that. And we're longing for those things. And it's because we've set the idol of experience above relationships. And here's the problem with that. What happens is, what happens is, we allow the experience to go above the person in front of us. And we're doing this and we're doing that and we spend all the money and we go here and we do these things. Oh, and then we come home and we're like, wasn't that great? Woo! And we come home and we're stressed and we jump back into life and we got to do the job to make up for all the stuff that we just did. Why? Because we're going like the experience. <sighs> That's fine. But did you really connect with your kids? That's a, that's, that's a good question. Like, in all the stuff that we're doing, did you actually connect? Like, look at them and have some conversation and really, like, be real? Because to me, it seems like that's the more important thing. We cannot elevate experience above relationship, but that's what we tend to do in our culture. All right, third idol, the idol of control. Ephesians 1.22 says this, says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Now, that's not talking like little C church, even though it's a little C church right there. It's not talking about the churches in like a church, like Northridge Church or, or this church or that church. It's talking about all believers everywhere. God has put Christ as the authority over everything on, in the universe for the benefit, for the glory of moving the kingdom of God forward, of connecting more people to Christ. That's the point. And so what we need to understand is you and I, we're not in control of our children. Do we need to make them eat their vegetables? Yes. <laughs> do we need to make sure they're in bed at a decent time? Sure, of course. I'm not saying we don't do anything with them. I'm saying that ultimately who they become and what they need to be is not our choice. It's God's. Before they were born, did you know that God knew your children way before you were born? He did. He knew who they were going to be. He knew who they needed to be. He knew exactly how they're gonna, they were going to be made. He knew the gifts and skills and abilities that they were going to have. He knew the weaknesses they were going to have. It, it says in God's word that he knits us together in the womb. Like God knows what he's doing. It, it says also that God, before we're ever even born, before we're conceived, he knew us. 
says that in God's word, he knows every person long before they even come to existence. He knew your children that way. He knows your children that way. And so we need to stop controlling them. And, and we're going to actually spend a lot of time next week. If you want to know what we need to do with our children and with those, the people around us, our friends, our neighbors, all kind of stuff, next week we're going to unpack this in a practical way. Okay? So if you're kind of like this whole ethereal idol worship, like, not for me. I don't know what we're doing here. All right? And then you're kind of like, give me the nuts and bolts. Give me the practical. Next week we're going to get into the more practical. Okay? But this is the foundation. We've got to get rid of the idols first. God's not in the clone-making business. We shouldn't be either. You should not, you're not supposed to make them clones of you. If you're trying to do that, stop. Because God didn't make them your clone. God made you who you are for a very specific reason. You have incredible value and uniqueness for a reason. But he also did the exact same thing for all of your children, for everybody that's around you, everybody that's in this room. You have your uniqueness for a reason. All right, last idol, fourth idol, the idol of comfort. This is one of those really fun ones that, you know, the whole idea of being a parent and, and, and raising kids, like even uh, uh, my kids will say uh, to me, Jackson's been saying this a little bit more lately. It's like, man, I can't wait till I get to be your age and I can just do anything I want. <laughs> oh boy, that's a, that's a box to open up, right? And he usually, of course, is saying this like when, when they're in bed and they hear us get the ice cream out. I get it. <laughs> I, I get it, right? I remember being laying in bed and hearing my parents like run the popcorn machine. They're like, here's the popcorn. Oh, they're having popcorn. Now the fun begins because the kids are in bed. Thanks, mom and dad. Awesome. And now I'm the one. I'm like, oh, yeah, kids are in bed. It's time to play, right? And that's when Jackson comes out with that. But what he un doesn't realize is a lot of us, we tend to think that parenting should be kind of this, this thing that comes naturally, and it's just kind of easy. It's kind of like a vacation. I don't know about anybody who actually is a parent that understands and thinks that way, right? But before you get into it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. And there's also going to be times where you go, unbelievable, I'm going to lose it. Right? We know it's both. God's word says children are a blessing from the Lord. They are. But it's also really hard. And this idol of comfort says that, you know, life is this way and it can be easy. All stuff. No, we need to realize this whole, the point of this series is this. We are in a constant battle for our families. There are enemies out there who want to destroy you. They want to destroy your kids. They want to destroy your marriage. They want to destroy everything that you are. They want to destroy you. We are in a battle. We're in a war. If you don't understand that, then, then you're not doing everything you need to do to fight for them. So you need to understand first that there's a battle going on and fight for them. We've got to get rid of the idol of comfort, this idea that, oh, I, th I, th I think it's, it's just going to be easy. It's going to all work out, all kind of stuff. It's kind of like the marriage thing. Some people go into marriage thinking that it's like kind of how it is in Hollywood movies, right? Somebody comes in and knocks the guy out, sweeps him off her feet, and then they just hug and kiss for the rest of their days. <laughs> like, 
and they drive their convertibles in uh, along the shoreline in California, and nothing ever goes wrong. And it's amazing. Like, they don't have to try to love each other because they love each other. <laughs> Again, anybody who's ever been married knows. Yeah, you can love somebody like completely and unconditionally and that's great, but it takes a lot of work. It does. We all know that's true. Parenting's the same way. Do you remember the main point of the message? If you want to live for Christ, and if you want your children to live for Christ, and if you want your friends around you to find true joy and happiness in this life, do you remember the main point of today. It starts with you. You need to be the example. Just this last week, um, I was working out. I was doing my exercise in the morning, and, uh, and all of a sudden I hear, I'm, you know, I'm breathing hard, I'm sucking air, I'm doing all this kind of stuff, I'm sweating all this stuff, and then I hear these, these little footsteps come down the stairs. And right away, like, I know who it is because, you know, you, you know when you, you know your family, like, well enough, like, you know how they walk and you know what, what pattern they walk down the stairs, right? Some people leap down the stairs. Some people plod. I hate stairs, right? You know, whatever the case is. Well, this is my four-year-old. I know. Before I ever turn around, I know. This is Tanner. And so he comes in and all of a sudden, I'm about halfway through my workout, right? And so I'm doing all the stuff and all these, all these kind of things. It was more of a cardio thing on this day. And, uh, and so I'm doing all these things. I'm just, I'm panting like crazy. I'm sweating. And I look over and Tanner's over there kind of watching me and doing what I do, sort of. <laughs> four-year-old version, Right? And he just keeps doing that. And, and I was only about halfway through, through the workout, and he just keeps going. He just does all this stuff. And he's trying to talk to me. He's having a conversation with Dad. And I can't breathe, right? And so I'm going, yeah, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good job. You're doing good. Hold on. You know, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was doing. And he just kept doing it, though. He just stuck there, and he did it, and he, he was trying to do all the things. He totally was doing it different, but it's all good. I was like, dude, you're doing a great job. This is awesome. And, and what was interesting is Laura and I, uh, because we both try to work out on a fairly regular basis and, and take care of ourselves, and, and, uh, and so we've talked to our kids. We've talked to them quite often about how important it is to be fit and to you know, stay active and to take care of, be good stewards of the body that God has given you. That's one way that we say that. And to be good stewards of what God has given you, including your bodies. And so it's important to you know, try to stay active, be healthy, all that stuff. And so we've talked to them about that. We've even uh, invited them to join us for the workout. Again, not so much that they even need it, but just to kind of get that example going or just to hang out with them. And we've even challenged them. We're like, hey, why don't you go out and do this or do that and you know keep them active and all that stuff so we, we talked to them we've pushed it we've challenged them but very rarely do they jump in with mom and dad in fact it basically never happens for that they jump in with the workout and do this stuff with us but then tanner did and, I, and the question is why well i think that tanner it wasn't that he's like man i need to work out today <laughs> four-year-old minds no no <laughs> i think it was very simply he just wanted to hang out with dad Just, he just wanted to be with dad. He just wanted to, he was trying to carry, <laughs> terrible time to carry on a conversation with dad, by the way. But he just wanted to hang out with dad. And he's doing what I'm doing. See where I'm going? Listen, guys, 
You can talk about God all you want. You can talk about prayer all you want. You can talk about God's word all you want. You can, you can talk about church all you want. You know what? It's going to make a hill of beans no point in the matter unless you show them what it looks like to live these things. Because what they're going to see is they're going to see, hey, dad, mom, you talk a big game, but I don't see it. And so I'm going to follow what I see, not what you're telling me. Right? If we want for the people around us, especially our children, but friends, neighbors, everybody, if we want people around us to catch what it means to follow Jesus and fall in love with God, then we need to fall in love with God ourselves. You need to start with yourself. And we need to get rid of the idols so that we can freely do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for being the perfect parent for us. For dying on the cross for us, for sacrificing for us, for giving yourself for us. God, you laid it on the line for us. You gave us the perfect example of being a loving parent. So I pray for everyone in here, whether we're a parent or not, whether we're thinking of being a parent or not, whether we love kids or not, doesn't matter. You have called every one of us to be the example for you and, and to catch a hold of you and to fall in love with you and to follow you and put you on the pedestal, to put you in the place of prominence in our lives. Help us to parent with grace and not guilt. Help us to parent with humility and not pride. Help us, God, to parent not with condemnation and judgment, but with forgiveness and with love. Help us to show the people around us the way by being the example. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us. Thank you for loving us. We love you today. We pray this in your name, Jesus.